Good evening, everybody. I wasn't even born yet, but many of you in the audience remember June 17, 1972. It was the day that Richard Nixon stepped down as the President of the United States. Whether you agreed with him or not politically, it must have been a sad thing to watch. It must have been shocking, depressing, humiliating for the Nixon family to be a part of something like that. One day you're the President of the United States, you got private security, you've got a private jet, you've got a private helicopter, a limousine, you even have a private retreat. You're the man. You're the leader of the United States of America. And then all of the sudden, you have to resign. What a disgrace, huh? You move out of the White House and nobody cares about what you think unless you want to confess to the scandal, right? Then everybody would be real interested in hearing what he had to say. Richard Nixon's life had come crashing down. But Nixon resigning was not as humiliating as the events that we find in Psalm chapter 3. No, we find of a king named David, and we've studied him several times, that his life became a great embarrassment. The events of his life in this story are about his son, Absalom, and the revolt that he brought against his own father. Think about David. He was a king for many years. His military was legendary. He was very wealthy. He had absolute authority. No one dared to get on his bad side. But then came the sin with Bathsheba. And the ordered death of her husband and his faithful servant, Uriah. Even though David had repented, his sins had major consequences. David's oldest son, Amnon, rapes his half-sister. And then Absalom takes revenge. Absalom takes revenge and kills Amnon. Absalom flees to exile for several years, but later is permitted to return. And after he returns, David refuses to see him. Absalom becomes resentful and begins to build a group of mad-at-David people within the kingdom, telling them that he was a more sympathetic leader than his powerful father. And that they should follow. So finally, Absalom builds a strong group, and David has to flee. 
And this is such a sad verse. 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 30, and I'm not reading it. Uh, I'm just uh, paraphrasing. But David leaves with his head covered, weeping and barefoot. Leaving his kingdom. And one of Saul's family members sees him as he's walking down the road and begins to throw rocks at him and make insults to him. How terrible that must have been for David to have gone through all of that. And look at this psalm. Let's read it and then we'll look at it. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings is upon your people. What do we do when life comes crashing down and the pieces are everywhere? You know, the boss calls and he says, Hey, we need to have a meeting. I need to talk to you about some stuff. I hate to tell you this and you're a really good worker, but we're just going to have to let you go. You, you almost made the cut, but we, we, you hadn't been here long enough and, and we got to keep the ones that have been here the longest amount of time. And, and we're really sorry, but we're just going to have to let you go. Or maybe your child has turned on you and doing things contrary to God's Word and makes fun of you at every chance they get because of the things that you're doing and the things that you had taught them. Or maybe you've lost a loved one and you just don't understand why. And it happened at the, uh, the worst time. And the list could go on and on and on, right? What do we as Christians do when life comes crashing down right in our face? I want us to think about this as we begin, and this isn't a point, but this is what I want us to focus our minds on. Life comes crashing down. Look at what David says in verses 1 and 2, and we'll, I'm going to read back over it. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help. For him in God. David says the number of people are increasing around me. As I look around, more and more people are coming against me. You ever felt like that? You ever feel like, man, it just keeps piling up. People just saying one thing and now here's another thing and another and another. 
Many were also saying this, there is no help for him in God. Why was that? Because of the things that David had done. Brethren, one thing that we need to make sure that we understand, one thing that we need to make sure that is really clear in our minds, sin has repercussions. The things that we do, contrary to God's word, will hurt us if we're not careful. Amen? Why does God hate sin? Why does God want us not to sin? Because He knows what happens when we sin. And we see this play out with David. The people are mocking him. They say there is no help for him in God. He's a hypocrite. There's no one that's going to deliver him, especially God. How can he say that he follows Yahweh? But Jesus had the same done to him, didn't he? He trusted in God, you remember on the cross? Let him deliver him. Now if he will, ha- will, will have, him, have him, for he said, I'm the son of God. But there's a difference between David and Jesus, right? David was taunted. David was made fun of because he had committed sin. Jesus, our Savior, thank you for what you've done, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for your willingness to die on a cross. Amen. Even though... You didn't do anything. You took those comments. You took those harsh words. Even though God knows all, David is laying his burden to the Lord, which is what we need to do. In times of trouble, when things come crashing down, when we don't know what to do, Christians... Here's the thought that we have to remember. Don't run away from God. Run to God. Psalm 52, 22 says this, Cast your burden on the Lord and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Just talk to a brother and he's discouraged. He's not doing the things that he's supposed to be doing. And so I encouraged him, you need to probably go to worship tonight. You probably need to go and be a part of your church family. But he didn't. He said he just couldn't do it. He said he's just got too much stuff on his mind. See, when the world comes crashing down, when those problems hit us, Right in the mouth, what do we do? What does Satan love? For us to turn away from God. And begin to do what we think is the best, right? It gets back to this poor in spirit mentality. But the Bible tells us to cast our burdens on the Lord and He's the one who'll sustain us. You know, 1 Peter 5, 7, when He says, casting all your care upon Him... Well, why do I do that? Because he cares for you. David, in the midst of a mess, in the midst of his son trying to kill him and go behind his back and do all of these things, David knows right where to run to. When the gossip is happening, when the things are going around 
in the community, in the city, wherever they're at. The comments that are being made about David, where does he go? He goes to the one person that can help him. And that's what we have to do ourselves. We have to remember and not lose focus in the toughest times. So when life comes crashing down, I want to encourage us with four things. Four things to keep in mind. And here's the first one. The Lord is our shield. You remember God told Abraham that he was his shield, right? Abraham knew that God was his shield, his protector. Look at what verse 3 says. Right after these people have said there is no help for him in God, he says, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. We have to remember that the Lord is our protector and He's our defender. He shields us from the enemy's attacks. Psalms 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him and I'm helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices and with my song I will praise Him. In the midst of a tough situation, in the midst of the, the, the toughest time that you got going on in your life, can you say that I'm going to sing my song with praise to Him? If we're focused in the right way, we can. Think about Ephesians chapter 6, you know, uh, put on the full armor of, of God. And I love what Ephesians 6, 16 says right at the beginning. It gives us the list of the things we're supposed to put on. And then what does it say? Above all. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. How do I quench these darts that are getting shot at me left and right? By applying God's Word to my life. Will we dedicate ourselves? Will we make ourselves be disciplined to the point that nobody has to tell me to study the Bible? I want to do it on my own. I want it to be a part of my life because that's who I am and what I'm about. And when those things happen, it helps you in those situations. Whatever it may be. David understood that. He says, you are my shield, Lord. In the midst of this big, tough situation that I'm dealing with, that I caused a lot of. You're my shield. And look at how he personalizes the statement. He says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. He didn't just say you're the shield. He says you're the shield for me. I hope that you all want the Lord to be your shield because I want the Lord to be my shield, right? We all should want the Lord to be our shield, which goes into this thought. My faith can't be your faith, and your faith can't be my faith. We have to have our own faith. 
I can't hang my hat on somebody else's faith and expect to be the Christian that I'm supposed to be. It has to come within me. It has to be my desire to seek you. In the toughest times, when the world comes crashing down. What else do we see from this psalm? Not only is he our shield, but the Lord is our glory. He says, but you, O Lord, verse 3, are a shield for me, my glory. No matter what the situation, whether we would be delivered or not, He still is going to give God the glory. Will we? No matter what the outcome is going to be in this story, no matter what is going to happen between him and Absalom, he's still going to give God the glory. Because he knows who God is. God is high above all the nations. His glory is above the heavens. Lamentations 3.24 says, The Lord is my portion says my soul. We know that song, don't we, brethren? Therefore, I hope in Him. He's my portion. He's the one that I'm going to go to when times get tough. Because He is the one that is exalted, and He is the one that I can go to for help. But He gets all the glory. Rain or shine, trouble or happiness... We must always have the mind frame that the Lord deserves all the glory. Because then that changes how we live our lives. It changes the way we think about things. 1 Chronicles 16.10, a long time ago, way early on. The Bible says glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Now it's hard to do that in tough times. It's hard to do that when the world comes crashing down. But what does this show us? What is the challenge for us? It's for us to be disciplined in our Christianity. It's for us to do the things that God tells us to do to help us through those times. Now, does it immediately take it away? No. Will it take some time? May it take a long time? Absolutely. But I'm going to stay the course and do exactly what I'm supposed to do according to God's Word. I mean, he's in a bunch of mess. Think about this, really. Think about what David is involved in. He's left Jerusalem. He's got his head covered, embarrassed. He's getting rocks thrown at him. We're talking about the king now. He's barefoot and he's crying because of what his son is doing to him. I mean, I don't know if I'd be in a good state if Isaac was trying to kill me. I mean, I don't know how I'd be. I hope he'd never try to kill me, right? I mean, but we're talking about close family problems. He's not in a good place mentally. 
But wait a minute, he is. Because he realized who's who his God is. He doesn't take it for granted and let Satan come in and shoot the darts and move him away from where his focus and his attention should be on, and that is the Lord Almighty. Look at the third thing. So the Lord is our shield, and the Lord is our glory, but He's also the one who will lift our heads. Look at what He says. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. Verse 4, he says, I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Isn't it awesome to be in Christ Jesus Isn't it awesome to be able to be in Christ and have direct contact with the Lord Almighty and Him hear our prayers? You know, I don't just pray my prayer so I can just be obedient to the rule to pray without ceasing, right? No, I pray my prayer because I want my prayer answered, don't you guys? I pray, Lord, be with me today and help me be the best Christian that I could be. Lord, be with me today and let me find somebody to talk to about Jesus. Lord, be with me today and let me be the best husband and the best dad I can be. Lord, be with me today and let me be the best friend that I can be to my brethren. No, I don't just pray because I want to pray and I think that it's really a cool thing to do. No, I pray because I want God to answer my prayer. Because I know that He hears me from His holy hill. Amen? When that's the understanding that we have, it should change the way we live our lives. Am I taken away from the sadness of the tough situations? Absolutely not. But what it does is it helps us think about where we're praying to and who it is we're praying to. God will restore us. He will restore the joy we had before the crisis if we will let Him lead the way. Look at Psalm 107.9. It says, For He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. You know, I've t- I, and this is, a tr- this is a true statement. I know somebody that I'm talking to right now that's going through some problems. And in the midst of this problems, this person has been able to talk to another person and we're close to having a Bible study with this person. Not even the the situation that he's dealing with is a tough situation. But through the tough situation, what has happened is he has been able to shine his light in the tough situation and he's pulling people to the truth. That's encouraging to me. I don't know if I could do that. I hope that I could. 
But I know that he satisfies the longing soul. And he fills the hunger, uh, the hungry soul with goodness. Because when I'm going through the tough times, if I'm filling my heart and my soul and my mind and my thoughts and the things that I do with the Lord, it fills me with goodness. Psalm 145.14 says, The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. Now, if I believe God's Word and I believe that it's true, then what I see is the Lord will raise up all the heads that are bowed down. The sad ones, the hurting ones, the ones who don't know what they're going to do tomorrow. Back to 1 Peter. He says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. He's going to be the one to exalt you. He's going to be the one to put you where you need to be. He's the one that's going to be with you through the problems. I know times are tough. And I know a lot of the times I do lessons on tough times. But brethren, we all going to go through a tough time. You may be going through one right now. But if you lose focus of what we're supposed to do as God's people, then we go out of control. We don't do the things we're supposed to do. And then it just piles up and piles up and piles up. Until you're at a point where you're like, you know what, it ain't even worth it for me to go. It ain't even worth it no more. I tried it and it didn't work. But you never really did try it. You never really did let God's Word be in your heart. You never did really let Him lead your path. You said you did. You kind of did the things that you were supposed to do. But you did not let God's Word get inside of you and change you. I mean, Hebrews 4.12 says that it is living and it is powerful. Amen? And it cuts. It lets you know what you need to do to fix things. It lets you know what you need to do to make things what they should be and how you can be. This is where our trust in the Lord has to be, right here. Because we know that it's on His time, not ours, right? It's on His time and not ours. But look at the last thing. The Lord provides peace. Verse 1 says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many of them are hating on me. Many of them are doing all of these things. But you're my shield, Lord. You're my glory. You're the one who lifts me up. I cried out and you heard me. And look at what verse 5 says. I lay down and slept. You ever been stressed out about a situation and you can't sleep, right? You don't know what you're going to do the next day and I got to... 
I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I, I, this situation is just so big, I can't hardly handle it. And I'm just, I can't get my mind relax, to relax. And I can't lay down and I can't go to sleep. And you just worry about it all night. Here was David in a terrible situation. You're talking about being anxious. They was about to kill him. And what does he say? I lay down and slept. And I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. And I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Now I'm going to lay down, I'm going to go to sleep, and I'm not going to be afraid of ten thousand people. Would you be afraid? I'd be afraid of ten thousand people if they were about to kill me. I mean, I'm just going to admit it. And David isn't some Messiah, some person that doesn't sin. This is a man. And he says, I lay down and slept. What we see right here is the real life Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. This is the real life, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Is that not what the Bible says? When we're anxious for nothing, that means that we are in everything praying and giving our supplications to the Lord with thanksgiving. And we let Him know what our request is. Isn't that what David does right here? He absolutely does it. And then what is he able to do? He's able to lay down and go to sleep. He's able to lay down and rest. Because why? The Lord sustained me. You know what? Here's what I'm confident to say. That I love the Lord with all my heart. And here's what I want to tell y'all. That if somebody came in here and said, you know what, all the Christians stand up and you're going to be killed immediately, that I'd stand up. Right? I hope that I'm to that point. Because I got my trust in the Lord enough to say, you know what, nothing is going to separate me from the love that I have in you. Nothing is going to separate me from being with you one day. And because of that, I can sleep good at night. You know, the problem, and I'm not saying that these problems don't keep us up. They keep me up. I'm not up here saying that I beat this all the way. But I want to beat it. I want to. And I'm going to try to. And I'm going to try and put my anxious thoughts and those tough situations in their place. And I'm going to lay down and rest and say, you know what, Lord, sustain me.
Why was David able, to, David able to lie down and sleep in the midst of such drama around him? The Lord gave him the peace that surpasses all understanding. Hey, brethren, stay prayed up. Hey, brethren, make that a part of your daily moment-to-moment life. Praying and asking. Romans 8.37 says this, Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Verse 7 and 8 says this, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. David was confident in what the Lord was going to do for him. Save me, O God, for you have struck all my enemies. Salvation belongs to you. Your blessing is upon your people. David turned this horrible, embarrassing experience of betrayal and pain and near-death experiences into a song of praise. That's encouraging. This psalm shows us that God can use the worst times in our lives to strengthen our trust in Him. And when that happens, it changes who we are. Brethren, I love y'all and I appreciate you so very much. I'm so thankful that I get to be a part of this congregation. Pray for me and I'm going to pray for you. Pray for the opportunity to be able to talk to somebody this week. Pray for the opportunity that you'll be able to encourage somebody this week. Pray that you have an opportunity to invite somebody to come and be a part of the body of Christ. Maybe you're here tonight and you aren't a Christian. Maybe you're here tonight and and you're just trying to figure out whether you want to be God's child or not. Here's what I would encourage you to think about. We're not promised tomorrow. We're only here for a little while and then we're gone. You never get to turn back the tables of time. You never get to turn it back. It's here and then it's gone. But right now is the opportunity where you can make things right. Jesus said that he who believes in him and is baptized will be saved. Maybe you need to become a Christian. Don't wait. Do not wait. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be unsure because you know what? It's your life. Nobody else's. Let the Lord be your shield tonight. Take confidence in what He says and what He says is the truth. 
And it'll wash you clean and make you new and he'll add you to his body. What a blessing that is to be added to the body of Christ and be considered a co-heir with Jesus. Man, that's, that's an elite level. Maybe you need prayers. Whatever you need, come right now as together we stand and sing.